Welcome to Impact Medicom's podcast series on COVID-19 prophylaxis. I am your host, Anna Christofides. In this episode, we discuss the use of COVID-19 pre-exposure prophylaxis as a strategy to protect patients with hematological malignancies who were not able to mount a sufficient antibody response to vaccination. Our guest on today's episode is Dr. Lori Sen, Clinical Assistant Professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of British Columbia and Medical Oncologist at BC Cancer in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hope you enjoy it. So thanks so much, Dr. Sen, for joining us today to discuss COVID-19 prophylaxis and how we can better protect patients who have hematological malignancies. So I wanted to start by asking you, what is the usual response to COVID-19 vaccination in the general population? Well, you know, we do know that COVID vaccines have been highly effective in protecting the general population against not only developing COVID, but against serious infections related to COVID and death from COVID. So, um, you know, it, it's been a major step forward. And obviously, we still highly recommend that everybody maximize the recommended vaccinations. Great, great. Thank you. And what evidence is there to suggest that patients who have hematological malignancies may not mount a sufficient response to general vaccination? So this has been a, an area of really big concern and ongoing research. So in my own practice, I look after patients with hematologic malignancies, and that means patients with every ranging from lymphomas to CLL. And we know that many of these patients, just by the very nature of their underlying hematologic malignancy, many of them have reduced vaccine response due to the immunosuppression from their disease. But then on top of that, many of our patients are actually on treatments that further lead to immunosuppression and reduce vaccine response. So there have been many studies that have been done looking at the vaccine response capabilities of patients with hematologic malignancies. And across the board, they've been shown to be reduced compared to somebody in the general population. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, uh, that's very tricky. And so in terms of these patients uh, being at increased risk, are they also at increased risk of uh, severe outcomes following COVID-19 infection itself? Correct. So that's the most concerning thing. We know that you know, the way that vaccines, as we said, have been very protective across the general population for our patients with hematologic malignancies, they have not basically acquired the same level of protection. And we've seen both from mainly retrospective studies, but also from prospectively collected cohorts of information that patients with hematologic malignancies are at a higher risk of contracting COVID. And if they do, a higher risk of having severe complications and death from COVID. So this continues to be a big risk for our patients. And while, you know, in many scenarios, people have started to reduce the level of precautions they take, I think, you know, for many of my patients, they're still very much on heightened alert because they realize that they haven't achieved the same level of protection from the COVID-19 vaccinations. And therefore, you know, they are much more susceptible to the risks of serious COVID. Mm hmm. And so in speaking more uh, particularly about these patients, 
which are the uh, types of hematological malignancies or which patients uh, specifically are at the most risk? I would say that, you know, it, it's it's going to be individual amongst individual patients and there are different risk factors that can contribute to immunosuppression. But broadly, we know that all patients with non-Hodgkin lymphomas have some degree of immunosuppression. I would say patients with CLL are, are certainly at a very high level of immunosuppression because there are many immune dysregulations as a result of the CLL that make CLL patients at particularly high risk. But then, of course, the patients we worry about the most are those that are receiving B-cell depleting therapies. So we know that drugs that deplete B-cells, such as the monoclonal antibody rituximab, which is very commonly used with many of our treatments for lymphomas and CLL, will uh, essentially lead to prolonged B-cell depletion. And it's been shown that that will reduce vaccine response. Similarly, commonly used drugs that CLL patients are on, such as BTK inhibitors, they also have been shown to be B-cell depleting and to lead to vaccine uh, response lowering. And then, of course, you know, there are the more obvious patients, and those are the patients that have undergone uh, hematopoietic stem cell transplantation or CAR T-cell therapy that are also probably on the highest level of susceptibility for COVID because of their reduced vaccine response. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can be done to help these patients further? Um, are there any uh, prophylaxis treatments available now in Canada? So just recently, of course, we've had the first approval of a COVID-19 prophylaxis agent through Health Canada, and that is the Evisheld product, which is really a antibody product that's designed to protect or prophylax against COVID-19. So this is a uh, formulation of neutralizing antibodies that has been specifically designed to um, target COVID-19 and to essentially neutralize it prior to it involving or, or being entered into the cell and, and therefore decreasing the level of infection. Mm -hmm. And what have studies shown us to date on the efficacy and safety of this therapy? So the primary study that was done that actually earned it regulatory approval through Health Canada and, and other countries as well was the PROVENT study that uh, was actually a randomized control study that was blinded and placebo controlled. And it included over 5,000 patients who were considered to be either uh, more susceptible to COVID or less likely to have a good vaccine response than the general population. And uh, what they found in that study is that patients that had received the Evusheld prophylaxis actually had a significant reduction in the development of symptomatic COVID. And it was uh, very protective against also uh, patients developing serious COVID in that the only patients that developed serious COVID were actually in the placebo group in that trial. Hmm. Great. And uh, have there been any other types of studies that uh, have been looking at this prophylaxis treatment? 
So this um, has, as I said, earned regulatory approval in a variety of countries, probably some of them slightly ahead of uh, its access here in Canada. But we're now starting to see real world studies emerging, looking at patients that treated in the real world. And, and I would say that this is largely further af affirm the safety of this. So for the most part, there was minimal side effects. The one thing that should probably be pointed out is that in the randomized study, there was a uh, slightly higher incidence of cardiovascular morbidities that was reported in the treatment arm compared to the placebo arm. Now, across the board, cardiovascular risk was still very low in the study, but there was a slight imbalance. And um, it's not really clear you know, whether or not it was causative or just an incidental finding, but it is certainly something that people need to be aware of, that if patients have cardiovascular risk factors or have cardiovascular disease, this may be more of a concern. So in which patients with hematological malignancies would you consider using COVID-19 prophylaxis? So I, I would say that most patients, I'm sorry again. <laughs> okay. Um, so in which patients with hematological malignancies would you consider using, using COVID-19 prophylaxis? So most provinces have rolled out guidelines as to which patients should be considered for prophylaxis. I'd say that universally it is recommended, particularly for patients who are known to have immunosuppressive conditions and, and to have a lower likelihood of having had vaccine response. In my own clinic, I would say that patients who who uh, I would consider to be highest risk that I think this would be most attractive for are, again, those patients who have received B-cell depleting therapies or by the nature of their ailments, we know that they're quite immunosuppressed like our patients with CLL. So, you know, now that this is available here in BC, most patients are actually asking about whether or not it's right for them. And I, I do have this conversation with most of my patients in terms of its availability. And, um, you know, we generally run through what's known from the data and the, we talk about the potential side effects and risks. And, and ultimately, I, I do leave it up to the patient to decide uh, if this is something they want to proceed with. But, you know, certainly, as I said, most Patients who are immunosuppressed or are on B-cell depleting therapies, their lives have not gotten back to normal, and, and this may offer them added protection and, and to uh, you know, allow them sort of a higher level of safety. And, um, and so I think it is certainly something that should be considered in these patients. And speaking of which, what might such a strategy mean for the quality of life of these patients? So most of our patients, you know, continue to be on pretty high alert when it comes to COVID. You know, although mask mandates have started to diminish, I would say that most of my patients still are limiting their social contact and definitely wearing their masks most of the time. I think they're looking for some assurance that you know their level of protection is enough to allow them to reduce these extra precautions i think you know this is just an additional element of prophylaxis that could be offered to these patients although you know i think we need to be 
realistic that um, that these patients will probably continue to still have concerns and and require a, a level of prevention that you know still goes beyond what. Uh, would be recommended for the general population. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what are the next steps in delivering this prophylaxis therapy in BC, for example? Well, most provinces have rolled out a mechanism for patients to be able to access this product here in BC. We actually uh, do have access through it, although because it, it does require uh, gluteal injection, it currently is not being administered through pharmacists, but is generally being administered either through family doctor's offices or, for example, we do have an uh, available mechanism to administer it here at BC Cancer. So for my own patients, I would essentially uh, set it up through our daycare unit where they can come in and get the injection once I've ordered it. Great. And can you share any insights uh, for other hematooncologists on which patients can really benefit from this prophylaxis treatment? So, you know, it is intended to hopefully provide an additional layer of protection for all of our patients who we feel may not have received full benefit from the COVID-19 vaccines. So in my own patients, those would be all of my patients with hematologic malignancies, but particularly those, I would say, who are on either B-cell depleting products or patients who have recently received therapies that we know um, have definitely diminished their immune system, like CAR T-cell therapies or stem cell transplantation. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sen, for joining us and uh, discussing this important topic today. Is there anything else you would like to add as a last word? No, it's absolutely my pleasure. I think that, you know, it's it's really important that all hematologists become aware of this potential effective uh, prophylactic strategy for their patients and, and to look into the guidelines in their own province and to at least establish, you know, what the mechanisms of administration are. And I, I think it's really important to have these discussions with patients and to look at patients on an individual basis and, and essentially weigh in the risks and benefits and, and you know, make an informed decision with the patient uh, themselves. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Sen. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you.